0: Everyone, you're listening to the Rosenfeld Review Podcast with your host, Lou Rosenfeld. That's me. And I'm here today with Kate Rudder. Hi, Kate.
1: Hi, Lou. Hi, listeners. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. And I I forgot to say what I always say at the beginning, but I think it's an important point to make, so I'll make it now, that we're just a bunch of blind men trying to figure out the elephant. And that's actually really, really germane to having Kate on because she is... um, uh, becoming one of those people who can take the perspective of many of those blind men, uh, you might know a little bit about Kate Already. Um, I remember when she, back in the day when she's at, at Adaptive Path. She, today she's the principal at Intoleto, and she also also teaches in the IxD program at the California College of the Arts. Kate is someone who was like one of the first sketch noters I ever knew of. And still does a lot of work in um, helping people work better together through visual methods, but increasingly, you're doing stuff uh, relying on a lot of numerical methods, and so you're kind of, com- kind of going at understanding and experience from a couple of very, very different directions and and different perspectives. So how how do you how are you kind of doing that? How, how did you kind of come to this point where you are taking kind of two the blind men's views? Sure.
1: So, uh, way back in the way back machine, when I was even before Adaptive Path, I've uh, been working in digital software for uh, many years. And uh, at the beginning of any new endeavor, or gig, or engagement, you know, there's this classic question that you have with stakeholders or participants that says, like, what are this you know, what does success look like? And overall, I think we've had a history of using fairly. Um, qualitative terms, you know, like people will be happy, there will be more customers, that type of thing. But then, throughout the years, um, with better opportunities for instrumenting digital products and, you know, kind of a growth of data and big data, all of that, it became more of a pressing question. So, I got to tell you, I am, I've am i not been a, known as a numbers person, I'm, I'm much more known as a pictures person. But I had an experience after Adaptive Path uh, where I was working as a co-founder at Luxor, which was a learning platform for entrepreneurs. My co-founders, Janice Frazier and, and Jason Fraser, And our whole intent was to help early stage startups, um, entrepreneurs, uh, use some of the emerging lean startup methods to build products people really wanted. What we'd say is build products people um, you know, want, need, and love to buy. And in that pursuit, one of the key elements in Lean Startup is metrics, but also what we were trying to do is figure out like what was some quanti- quantified ways of figuring out who is using our products. And so a lot of the material I've been working through in the last 10 years has been related to that, that kind of early catalyst of, well, how do you know if someone is getting benefit out of your product? And over the last few years, as I've gotten curious or curiouser about it, uh, I've I've started to think of the world for UX designers as kind of the competency of or fluency in these three languages, right? So words, which we're frankly really good at until we're not like defining design or what is this UX thing. But generally we use words pretty well to to describe our work and to communicate. Uh, We also use pictures pretty well, like tactical ones like screen UI and diagrams, like journey maps and pictures of people in context through scenarios or storyboards. But what we're not so great at really is numbers. And that's troubling because it's the dominant language in business and increasingly driving so much strategy. And and where I get concerned is when designers are looking to be in a position of creating, you know, products and services that actually provide value and we don't know how to quantify that value. I think as we get better at using metrics and numbers as a design material, then that's important and that's meaningful for our work. So that's that's the long story, but I'm kind of putting it out there. Like many uh, UX learners and people in the in the field, um, I I get curious about something, and I've seen a lot of signals related to metrics, and I've got quite a background of running workshops with teams around metrics. But the the desire and need and the sophistication of the questions is really coming to greater and greater heights right now. So well, I'm excited to be at the beginning of this process for many UX teams.
0: Sp- speaking your your workshops, I would be a very bad business person if I didn't exploit the value of making a point that you teach your workshop, uh, which is uh, called Crafting Metrics for UX UX Success. It's not so easy to say. Thanks a lot, Kate. Um, you've taught it in New York and San Francisco for us uh, last year in 2019. and Right now, we're, we're gearing up to, to host you again, uh, at least in one of those, if not both those places, maybe more, uh, and you, you know, so the, the workshop has been a smash hit, so you, you kind of hit on a nerve with a lot of people in the UX space that they are struggling with, with numerical literacy and, and being able to, to speak the language of value in a way that business people currently speak it. Once you started teaching your workshop, what assumptions did you have going in that you've since been disabused by? Are, are For example, are designers as bad at at, uh, at numerical understanding as you thought? Are we worse? Something else that you, you didn't expect?
1: I, that's a great question. I'm not going to say that we're bad at it because a lot of UX designers out there coming from a variety of fields. I think we're not very um, practiced in it. And uh, so one of the philosophies that, that does come up quite a bit in the workshops and in other conversations is this false dichotomy of metrics versus experience or data-driven versus user-driven. Um, I think that dichotomy is unhelpful. I think that any source of information that we can use to inform our decisions is helpful. And um, observing a human experience, the qualitative research that we're extraordinarily good at, I think, as a field is uh, such a rich territory and rich domain for that. And yet, when we start looking at things that are quantifiable, I don't think we have the same competency. So, um, one of the the slides that I show when I do some stage talks on this and that uh, has gotten some, you know, riled people up, but also had people nodding their heads is the picture of the roadkill with the you know the painted center line over it that says "Not my job," right? So, in a lot of ways, I think we do ourselves a disservice uh, by saying that the data and, and metrics and analytics is outside our purview, when really it can help our jobs a lot. It's not that, I mean, we have full jobs already. Let's, let's just get that straight. Like there's a lot going on and a lot of responsibilities for product designers and UX designers. Uh, where I think it gets really interesting is when we start looking at what other more quantitative sources of information for feedback and for ongoing improvement we can use even at the earliest stages of adapting or evolving our interfaces, so that we design products that can be measured in the way that the the quantifiable metrics will help us improve our products for our users. That's really what I think is interesting. And I think until we claim that responsibility and accountability, we'll be missing out on a real important source of of information.
0: So I think it would be helpful to talk a little bit about what you mean by metrics, because you know, we have this stereotype that uh, we designers aren't very good at, at uh, thinking in terms of, of metrics and, and numerical va- numerical value. Uh, and I, it's almost like a trope that we've just taken for granted. But I wonder if part of the problem is just not so much that we're not good at it. It's just that the types of things we work on are not so easy to measure. They're just not, at least in, in my opinion. But maybe up your sleeve are a bunch of Metrics that uh, disprove my statement. What what do you give me an example of the kind of metrics that that you really dig into, like in your workshop, for example?
1: Sure. So to be absolutely clear, the world of metrics and talking about them and writing about them and calculating them is uh, there's a huge amount of expertise out there. This is not this is not new. It's not going to make the front page of any any newsletter, any um, any website. Uh, Where I think it gets tricky is that a lot of the standardized, more out-of-the-box measures that companies use that are often legally required, right, like sales or shareholder share price, those types of of values numbers um, aren't so helpful to delivering products and services that are meaningful in a unique way to customers. And so where it gets Tricky is that the standardized metrics, even things like you know, monthly average users or daily average users are terrific for understanding kind of the proxy for usage. But just because someone's using something, it it doesn't go quite far enough to say, are they really getting the value that we had built this product to provide? And so the thing that surprises people in the metrics workshops, and the thing the information that really came out of my experience at Luxor is being able to identify, like, what what is our product supposed to be doing on behalf of our customers, and where within the actual product structure, the interfaces or the UI, do do those behaviors get interacted with or get um, triggered, if you will, and so. That's that's what we spend a lot of the time in the workshop on, and that's when I talk to, to companies, what is hard for them is we know what the business use of a, of a product often is, you know, to make more money or to go into a new market or to expand um, a footprint for usage for an existing customer set. Uh, but it's really focused on, you know, buying more, buying faster, buying additional, and that's great from a business standpoint, but where it can creates some real brittleness and some real fragility is when people are buying things but they're not using them or they're using them reluctantly because they're not really providing the use and the benefit that the customer would want. So that's a ton of words, but I'll give you an example. Like one of the phrases that comes up that I use a lot is this pro- idea of a proxy. So numbers are always a proxy for something. I think the, the numbers we care about as designers are proxies for human behavior that evidence that the customer is, or user is, is doing the thing that they want to do. And sometimes that's at odds with the business strategy. So in a social media site, you know, or product, you have habituated usage and you have people that are like browsing through feeds or liking or posting and really that's the customer's usage but the business usage is about advertising or targeted placements for ads or selling customer data and those can be at odds with each other so i think from designers when designers and i've talked to a f- quite a few of them who shut down and said you know how do we get more eyeballs and it's like, well, I I'm, I'm, would rather serve hearts and minds rather than eyeballs and gullets. And, and I think that those kinds of conversations have been a turnoff. So I think as designers, we can open up our eyes a little bit to how can we, in a helpful, ethical, useful way, try and get numerical data around the customer behavior that matters for the purpose of the product.
0: I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, we have something that's very current, very alive, and very engaging for groups, and that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people, ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research to design and research operations. I want to encourage you to join one of our communities, again, it is free, by going to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions and so forth, we'll give you access to the recordings. And uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists from each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when programs uh, programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com slash communities. You are going to find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Okay, so I am with you, and I, you know, some of those uh, those sort of alternative forms of value make so much sense. I, I still think they're they're tricky in terms of how you measure them. They're, they're not obvious necessarily. And, and I, I know that's a lot of what you cover in your workshop is, is kind of how to uh, uh, connect the, the people in the workshop to these new opportunities. I, I still feel like there's this, this 800 pound gorilla in the room though, and that's time. And in the sense that the easy metrics, which are the ones that certainly we're used to in business can be abused. Because they're so sort of easily understood and accessible and measurable and, you know, we have lots of systems to look at things like sales numbers, we can kind of shorten the cadence at which we review them. So, you know, we can see, you know, if you're Amazon, I imagine uh, not just Amazon, you can look at uh, sales on on an hourly basis and learn something. And when you are doing that kind of condensed review of metrics, uh, uh, you know, at such a quick pace, you might forget to look at the long-term aspects of what you're doing and the value of your products and services over time. So like, you know, like we have this power of measurement that we abuse by turbocharging it, making it go so quickly, know, that we, we we don't look at the long term and the big picture. And I, I think the harder or newer types of metrics that, you know, may emanate from design, we just, because they're more difficult to work with, they're more difficult to, to actually measure for, we're just sort of stuck uh, looking at them over the long term. And, you know, there's like this sort of vacuum that has to get filled in the minds of maybe decision makers about I need I need fresh data. I need measures or metrics on on a more rapid basis. And because of that, they're only going to be looking at the sort of, you know, the kind of metrics that, you know, UX people might not want to rely on. That's a long statement. I'm sorry. I might have to. I, I'm figuring stuff out on the way, on the fly here, Kate, but tell me if that made any sense whatsoever. Do, do our listeners a favor and call me out on it.
1: Uh, well, unfortunately, I'm the, like, the worst person to call you out on that because I also have chains of thinking out loud that are, you know, that are extended. Uh, as far as, so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. As far as the idea of cadence and frequency of, of checking and comparing, I think that's key. Um, one of my the most insightful books that I've relied on heavily is, is thinking about informing some of my metrics concepts and, and validating those with, with teams is the book lean analytics by Ben Yaskovas and Alistair Kroll. And it came up, you know, they were actually incubating some of those ideas when I was working with Janice and Jason at Luxor, we were all Mm -hmm. trying to better understand how, how data can be used to validate or invalidate hypotheses in a lean startup. And, and so one of the, areas that they talked about was, you know, the one, um, have what an awesome metric is and an awesome metric has specific attributes and one of them that it's comparative. So, so I'm specifically delve into this little tiny niche of curiosity around metrics, which is different from like performance metrics. Are we meeting a specific threshold or goal? and instead look at feedback metrics. What kind of numbers can we as designers or product teams get on a regularized manner in a specific cadence that aligns with when we release product so that we can see if the product changes we're making have moved a needle on a specific customer behavior. And I think that comparative nature of looking at data, looking at analytics is, is crucial to the type of benefit that. Product teams can and designers can get out of out of the numbers. So if it's just one number, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, hey, we hit nine thousand downloads this week. Well, we don't even know if that's good, right? Like you have no idea. There's a lot, a bunch of things wrong with that as a as a metrics to cheer or a number to cheer over. But you don't know if it's good because what was it last week? Was it hundred thousand? Well, now we suck, right? Mm-hmm. If it was twenty, then now it's big, and so. But without any kind of comparative, it's just a piece of, it's just a data point. Uh, And then did we do anything that would have resulted in a difference in that number? The other thing about, you know, using downloads as an example is, although it's the beginning of an entry point into usage, it doesn't tell you if anyone's using your stuff. So the types of of metrics that I think are more meaningful for for custom or for companies and, and product teams specifically are things like uh, the like has someone used our product to upload media? Mm-hmm. And what percentage of our customers have done this within the last say month if we're on a fairly slow release cycle? Um, continuous deployment has its own caveats and, and gotchas. But for example, one of my favorite reference points of this is we have the New York Times bestseller list, and that's great, but it's really a proxy. Like, how many of those are read, and what's the purpose of those books? So as a publisher, I'm sure you're very convinced and interested in sales numbers. That's crucial to the business. I'm curious if there's a metric that Rosenfeld might track, which is the percentage of purchasers who read a book that they that they bought within the first week of purchasing it. And after that, were they able to implement any of the tips, advice, et cetera, that that book was intended to deliver to them? Because the book ultimately is a container for the knowledge and the change in behavior that that designer would have. exactly, And when we were thinking that way at Luxor, I mean, it's snarly, that gets snarly, but you need to think all the way pushing it towards what's the customer benefit that is the purpose of our product.
0: Right, so the, see, I guess what what I was inelegantly saying before is like, that makes total sense, but um, to use a word that I'd never heard before a few seconds ago, snarly, it's really snarly to to go through the act of measuring the change of, of hearts and minds and, and lives compared to did the thing sell? Mm-hmm. And it just, because it's, it's so snarly, it just takes, you're not going to do it as often and then that's just going to space out the frequency with which, at which you do it, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you get into this trap where those meaningful measures are are just so expensive relative to the less meaningful measures or the ones that we just sort of take for granted that I just worry that there's like almost like a, a vacuum created where the kind of easier-to-measure, more frequently metrics take over and kind of crowd out our ability to step back and look at these more difficult metrics that just require more investment and more time.
1: Yeah, well, have I got a book for you? So uh Great. of the my more recent reads uh is called the tyranny of metrics by by jerry moeller and it's much way beyond the scope of of just a designer or, or product it talks about systems it talks about overall kind of the economic drivers of metrics uh, and this i think is a nice pairing with the harvard business review which had the cover story in october september issue in 2019 of are metrics undermining your business? And both of these are kind of backlashes against a highly quantified, kind of very metrics-driven type of approach in companies, where if it doesn't have numbers, it doesn't have any value. Um, But what I really appreciated about the tyranny of metrics, and I've got some issues with the book. So if you read it, you know, I I would recommend a good library checkout for that one. You might not want it in your permanent collection, but he does a, the author does a really nice job of talking about the distortion, why metrics kind of are a backlash and and the distortion of information that occurs. That's the phrase he uses. And the attributes of that is that measuring the most easily measurable is partially where we get distortion. Measuring the simple when the desired outcome is complex which is what you're talking about. Uh, measuring inputs rather than outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the inputs is how many books did we release as opposed to how many you know books were read and put into practice. And then degrading information quality through standardization. So the real loss of context. So not knowing, you know, I mean, if someone buys a book, but gives it to someone else, then they're never going to read that book. Right. So you don't you lose that context when you when you have to look at a very simple, simplified data point. And all of those are, I think, the kind of caveats and the level of sophistication where designers and the way that we approach problem solving could be a huge benefit. I mean, we are we have real sophistication, I think, with looking at thick data, as Erica Hall might say, around qualitative and user research types of things. And, and so... I'm just going to interrupt the,
0: you and, and yeah. say, actually... I think Erica got that from Trisha Wong.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm always, you know, yeah, on the uh, attribution hunt. Thank and as you. much
0: as I love Erica, I just have to put in a plug for Trisha because uh, um, it looks like she'll be our keynoter at Enterprise Experience uh, in uh, San Francisco uh, on June 10th. So yippee. She's great. Anyway.
1: Give me a moment while I write that date on my <laughs> calendar. I don't want to miss that one. <laughs> I assume you'll uh, so, be there. So I think that the tyranny of metrics and and the book that that Jerry Muller wrote is helpful because it's kind of a screed uh it's a little hard to get through in that regard but some key things around the distortion of information I think are is something that we need to work through um also this idea of output metrics versus the uh input metrics so A a great thinker on this and specifically to the product world, I think, is John Cutler, who's at Amplitude, which is actually a metrics um, analytics platform. But the idea of, you know, do you work in a feature factory? Is your company Mm -hmm. benefited or is your product team really looking at the number of features you ship and how they ship them uh, as opposed to the purpose of those features and how people are engaging with them? So I think that's another one of those fundamental thinking shifts that's probably going to feel pretty natural for designers.
0: So it because sounds like been you're working
1: a long time to move from the action that we do, how many wireframes we're delivering, into what's the benefit and purpose for our customers for those wireframes. So you sound pretty optimistic. Oh, very. You know, it's it's no fun to go into a into a place that's already beautiful and and see how more beautiful you can make it. It's more fun to go into a place that's chaotic and confusing and emerging and inchoate and all of those. You know. Weird things. That's where I think discovery and insight and benefit really starts to emerge. And I got to tell you, metrics is a big snarl ball. It is, and uh, and it's an interesting and important time, especially now that we have the technologies to start to lower the cost for more measuring more sophisticated things.
0: Well, now you all know why uh, Kate's workshop has been so popular and, and pretty much everything she's been doing people love because she's one of the few people who can spin a paragraph with both inchoate and snarlball. <laughs> <laughs> Plus she knows a lot and she can communicate it in a lot of ways. You are a true uh, Renaissance woman and it's been lovely to have you join us. Um, I want to make sure um, we take a moment and get a few uh, shout-outs from you.
1: Excellent. Oh, there's so many good ones. Uh, I think I would recommend that people read the work of Julia Zhou, who's the vice president of product design at Facebook. In her medium publication, The Year of the Looking Glass, she has a couple articles on, on metrics that are absolutely worth reading. And all of her work is worth reading including her latest book, The Making of a Manager. Um, I I love how she comes at life from the hands-on practitioner and then through her own thoughtfulness and observation really creates a wealth of insight. Uh, I've already mentioned Lean Analytics by Ben Yaskovic and Alistair Kroll. Everyone should have that on their bookshelf. It's great for designers. It's especially terrific because they focus on what happens after you get the numbers and not just before the numbers, which I think is crucial. John Cutler, who's a product evangelist at Amplitude, uh, is, is the one who gave me the getting out of the feature factory concept, and he's doing a lot of good thinking on behalf of product teams. So, And lastly, I would be twer- terribly remiss if I did not mention Laura Klein, who, full disclosure, is a friend, maybe more like a frenemy, um, but we co-host a podcast that's very different from this one, a uh, lot more swearing and uh, a lot more you know, heightened emotion, but you can get it on Patreon or Spotify. It's like hanging out with two bitter veterans without getting a word in edgewise. Uh, but most importantly about Laura is she wrote this book through your publishing company, um, Lou, Build Better Products. And it's just a gem. It's got a nice chunk on metrics as well. It'll make you a better designer. It made me a better designer. I love it. So highly, highly big loud shout out for that
0: you know, you say you're both bitter. I, I, I don't really believe that. Um, definitely Laura, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Laura. And, uh, um, I, I imagine she, she counts her a good 90% of the, uh, the not suitable for work, uh, phraseology. Uh, I, I, I think she'd use a different word than snarl ball if given the option. <laughs> anyway, Kate, it's been lovely to have you join us. Um, uh, if you want to learn more about Kate, and I know you do, uh, you, you can follow her on Twitter at Kate Rudder, K-A-T-E-R-U-T-T-E-R. Uh, you can look up her company, Toletto. You should uh, maybe take one of her classes at the California College of the Arts. Um, and uh, I'm so happy to be working with you, to be hosting workshops. So maybe I can, uh, I can twist your arm and get you to write a book on this stuff. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
1: That would be fun. That would be fun. It's, books are a great way to uh, to expand curiosity.
0: All right. Well, to be continued. Thanks again, Kate Rutter, for joining us on the Rosenfeld Review.
1: It's been a pleasure, and thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review, brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen. Please check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com.